What's Pesach Sheni? Literally, it means the second Passover. What's the second Passover? Well, what's the first Passover? <laughs> we think of Passover as the Seder and eating matzah and four cups of wine. And the, of course, that's Passover. But biblically, Passover was a, a, a sacrifice, an offering that was brought to the Holy Temple. An animal sacrifice, a sheep or a goat. And there's a story that there were a group of people who missed out on this sacrifice because they were ritually impure. So they went to Moses and they said, the words they used, Lomenigara, why should we miss out? Why are we less than? And uh, Moses said, you know what, that's a great question. Let me talk to Hashem and I'll get back to you. Moses was able to do that kind of stuff. So he went to Hashem and he said, these people are asking, why should they miss out on being able to participate with the entire Jewish nation in bringing the Passover sacrifice? So Hashem told Moses, you have a good point. Or really, they have a good point. Tell them we're going to have something called second Passover. A month after first Passover, we're going to have a second Passover, a makeup Passover. And at that moment, a new mitzvah from the 613 commandments was enshrined for eternity. And although we have no holy temple standing today, so we have no sacrifice to bring, not on the first Passover or the second Passover, every year when the second Passover comes around, we remember the lesson that if we ask in earnest, why should we miss out? Hashem will hear, and Hashem will turn over the world, even if he has to create a new mitzvah, in order to make sure that we have the fullest opportunity to connect to him. So I want to tell you a story that happened a couple of years ago to a friend of mine, a shliach in West Boynton, Florida, my friend Yossi Reichik, Rabbi Yossi Reichik. And uh, I just called him today to reconfirm some of the details because sometimes people tell inspirational stories and they embellish a little bit because it makes it better. I don't want to do that. I want to make sure to tell it to you accurately. So I spoke to uh, Rabbi Reichik earlier today. The story is that there was a, a young man named Jeff. And Jeff's father passed away. His father was in hospice, and his father passed away. And he called the family rabbi, and he said, we need to do a funeral. And the family rabbi said, I'm not available today. He was desperate. He was at a loss. The one day that I need my rabbi, and uh, he says he's not available. 
So he starts desperately calling different people. He spoke to a relative who said to him, listen, you may or may not have anything to do with Chabad, but find out who's the closest Chabad shliach. Call them, tell them your situation. They will help. He Googles, he finds out. Rabbi Yossi Raichik is the closest Chabad. He calls him up. He says, my father passed away in hospice today. The family rabbi of old days tells me he's not available. Can you help me? Rabbi Raichik says, of course I can. They take care of the burial. They arrange a shiva. And Jeff starts coming around Chabad to say Kaddish, to study some Torah in honor of his father. And uh, <laughs> you know what happens when you start hanging around Chabad, right? <laughs> they say if you sit in a barber shop long enough, you're eventually going to get a haircut. <laughs> you hang around Chabad long enough. And Jeff started becoming interested in Yiddishkeit, Jewish observance and study. And especially he became very interested in the Rebbe, the Rebbe's teachings, the Rebbe's model. And he, he desired, even though he had only heard about Chabad very, very recently, and he only reached out to Chabad because of a, a situation that arose seemingly out of nowhere. But he started to develop a very strong feeling of connection to the Rebbe. And so Jeff told Rabbi Reichik that the only thing he wants in this whole world is a dollar from the Rebbe. He knows the Rebbe gave out thousands of dollars. He knows he missed the boat. He wasn't there in those days. But he said, I need to get my own dollar from the Rebbe. <laughs> Rabbi Reichik confessed to me. I don't know if this is on the record. He heard the earnestness. He heard the passion. He said, I thought for a second maybe to give him one of mine. And he was like, you can't, you can't. You just can't part with it, right? That's... You have to understand what that means. A dollar that he himself, as a, as a, as a child, had received from the Rebbe. He just... But he hears Jeff's sincere desire to receive a dollar from the Rebbe. So Rabbi Reichik told him, he said, listen, if this is your deepest desire, I have no doubt somehow Hashem will arrange things, you will get your dollar. So Jeff started coming to Rabbi Reichik with uh, links to eBay auctions. And Rabbi Reichik was looking over the eBay auctions and he was saying to him, I don't know how authentic this dollar is. Uh, you probably better save your money, right? Because unfortunately, there are unscrupulous people and they take advantage of the earnestness of somebody like Jeff. So... Uh, but Rabbi Reichik said, but if you earnestly desire this, if you have a deep desire, I have no doubt Hashem will orchestrate things. That uh, Shabbos Slichas, the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, where coming out of Shabbos we begin saying the 
penitent prayers, the prayers of forgiveness. Uh, there's, a, there's a Chabad custom to have a little fabrengen. So there was a fabrengen at a nearby shliach at uh, Rabbi Yoelish Gans in West Palm Beach. And in attendance at that fabrengen was another shliach, a shliach from Eretz Yisrael, from the Holy Land, Rabbi Aaron Lazer, Tzaitlin Oliver Shalom, who was actually there seeking medical treatment. And actually, this was the last few weeks of his life. And Rabbi Tzaitlin was fabrenging, and it was a very strong, very passionate fabrenging. And in the midst of the inspiration, Jeff says to Rabbi Tzaitlin, I want a dollar from the Rebbe. I'm ready to do anything. I want a dollar from the Rebbe. <laughs> so uh, Rabbi Tzaitlin says, you, you, got, you got to make a vessel. You got to do something to, to draw it down. So... Jeff said, I'm making a donation to Rabbi Reichik. And then on the side also, he arranged to donate toward Rabbi Tzaitlin's medical expenses. And, and that was that. I told you, when was this? This was the night after the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. Within a week of Rosh Hashanah. That Rosh Hashanah, after the prayers, when things quiet down, most people have left the building, a woman comes over to Rabbi Reichik. This is a woman who he recognizes as what we call, unfortunately, we all know, know what this term means, a once-a-year Jew. This is somebody he would only see in shul on high holidays. And this woman came over, and she says, I want to do something for Chabad. I don't have money but I have dollars from the Rebbe. Maybe you can auction the dollars and you can bring in some money to support Chabad. So Rabbi Reichik is thinking this is not, this doesn't really make sense. This woman, she, she rarely comes by, she's not really involved, and like all of a sudden she's showing up and she says, there was a period of time I lived in Crown Heights and during those years, I was involved in the women's groups who came by on Sundays. And in that capacity, I was able to procure extra dollars in addition to the ones that I personally received. I still have these dollars. They're dated from the dates that the Rebbe, which Sundays the Rebbe gave out those dollars. I'm telling you, I have these dollars. So now it's starting to sound real. She's sharing enough information. So. I told you, shul was empty. It was after services. There was, Jeff was hanging out in shul. So Rabbi Reichek turns and he says, Jeff, get over here. <laughs> he says to the woman, tell this gentleman what you just told me. She says, I have some dollars of the Rebbe. I want to know if there's any way Chabad can make use of them. Jeff is completely beside himself with emotion. His prayers were answered. <laughs> it took everything to hold back not to want to go get the dollars right then and there on Rosh Hashanah. But he was patient. He was a good boy. He waited. Right after Rosh Hashanah, I mean right after, <laughs> they uh, drove over to get the dollars. And uh, she had a few dollars. And they had different dates on them. 
So Rabbi Reichek asked Jeff, which one of these do you want? And the dates are written in Hebrew, he couldn't read it, so he says, I'm not really sure. So Rabbi Reichek said, well, maybe pick a date that's significant to you, like maybe something near your birthday. So he's like, I don't know my Hebrew birthday. So they went online and they did the math, they figured it out, you know, Hebrew to English birthday calculator. He says, Jeff, your birthday is the 14th of ER. Pesach Sheni. They looked, and among the three dollars that this woman was offering them, one of them had written on it, received from the holy hand of the Lubavitcher Rebbe on the 14th of ER, Pesach Sheni. A Pesach Sheni, a second chance for connection. That when you yearn for something with all your heart and you won't take no for an answer and you earnestly tell Hashem, Lomenigoro, why should I be any less than? Why should I miss out? There's Pesach Sheni, there's a second chance. I want you to understand something, that we are all Jeff. Maybe your birthday isn't Pesach Sheni, in the literal sense. But today is Pesach Sheni. And every day we're brand new, so it's sort of a birthday for all of us too. And on this day of Pesach Sheni, of second chances, here's what I want you to know. You have missed nothing. The Rebbe will find a way to provide you with the connection to him that you seek. There's only one caveat. The connection that you seek. It's up to you. We're about to go to the Yehel the Rebbe's holy resting place. It is a time-honored tradition to visit the grave sites of righteous people. And you may do that, you may visit the Ohel as a grave site, as a holy grave site, and it's a hallowed, time-honored tradition among Jewish people for generations to do so. It's even mentioned in the Code of Jewish Law. And you can visit the Rebbe's resting place and pay your respects there Or, I'll give you a second option of how you can go. And it's entirely up to you. It's your choice. You can go there knowing that exactly what would have happened across the street around this time on Sunday, if you could go and receive a dollar from the Rebbe, that same thing can happen now, can happen today. No differently. There was a chassid, a venerable educator who lived in Montreal, Canada, and he had been close with the previous rabbi, and he had merited to be admitted 
many times in private audience with the previous Rebbe. And after the previous Rebbe's passing in 1950, he wanted to reconnect and go to pay respects at the burial place of the previous Rebbe. He had a problem. It was the intermediate days of the festival. And if you don't know, according to Jewish law and custom, we do not visit a cemetery during the intermediate days of a festival. He took his question to his Rebbe's son-in-law, the previous Rebbe's son-in-law, our Rebbe, who had not yet officially accepted leadership. And he asked the Rebbe, what should he do in this case, this dilemma? I, and he had to go back to Montreal. It wasn't an option to wait. It's the intermediate days of the festival. I want to go to the Oihel. I want to go pay my respects. But Jewish law and custom says you don't go to a Jewish cemetery during the intermediate days of the festival. What should I do? So here's what the Rebbe told this chassid. The Rebbe said, if you are asking me whether or not one is permitted to visit a Jewish cemetery during the intermediate days of the festival, you know the answer. I, I, there's nothing I can tell you new that you don't know. However, if what you are asking me is instead that just like you merited previously in my father-in-law's lifetime to be admitted into his holy room, into his study, and to have a personal audience in his physical presence, and you wish to do the exact same thing again now, and the only difference is that my father-in-law has moved a few blocks away to the cemetery in Queens, well, of course a chassid may visit and have one-on-one -on -one audience with his rebbe during the intermediate days of the festival. So as I say, it's entirely your choice what this visit means to you. At the very least, it's a respected Jewish tradition to honor great Jewish leaders and holy people by going to their gravesite. That's one option. And if you so desire, if your heart wants the connection, like Jeff wanted that connection, well, my friends, today is Pesach Sheni, the second Passover, second chances, and there's no reason anyone here has to miss out on anything. Now, you're going to say to me, that's very well and good, it's very inspirational, but let's be real. At the end of the day, 
It is different. If I could go line up in 770 and walk by the Rebbe and have that half a second where I'm able to look at the Rebbe, how can you compare that to standing at the Oihel, as holy, as inspirational as it may be, how can you compare the experiences? And here's what I want to tell you. You're not going to the Rebbe to see. You're going to the Rebbe to be seen. People who had that moment where the Rebbe laid his holy eyes on them, what will they tell you? That at that moment, I finally felt that somebody sees me, the real me, sees me to my core. What you're going to see at the Oyel, of course it's different than what you would see on the dollar line. But the Rebbe's ability to see you, to see through, and to your very essence, your greatness, your potential, that hasn't changed whatsoever. You know, one of my favorite Yechidos stories, Yechidos is the Hebrew word for the one-on-one -on -one meeting. And it's related to the word Yechida, which is the essence of the soul. You know, there are different layers of the soul. You have the nefesh, which is the energy, the lowest spiritual energy, which enlivens your actions and your vital functions. A little bit more rarefied and abstract than that is the level called ruach, which animates your emotions. Then you have the level called neshama, which animates cognitive functions, thoughts, ideas. Then even higher than that, there's a level called Chaya. That animates your spirituality, your idealism, your capacity for self-sacrifice. And then the highest level, the fifth level, is called Yechida. And Yechida means oneness, because on that level, you are one with God. That's how Yom Kippur works, incidentally. That's why we pray five times, five times on Yom Kippur. We only pray three times a day normally. Shabbos, Rishchidosh, Yom Tif, we pray four times. The only time of the year we pray five times is on Yom Kippur. And it's explained because that corresponds to that fifth level. And that's how atonement works. Because no matter what you did that could have tarnished your lower soul levels, when the core of your soul comes out, that essence which is always one with God, even at the time of sin, that essence remains intact and pristine and pure. So that's how atonement works on Yom Kippur. And going into Yechidus is somewhat similar to that. It's the activation of your essence, your deepest self, which has infinite potential and capacities because it is one with the infinite. 
So I was about to tell you my favorite Yechida story. I won't tell you the whole story. We don't have time. I'll just tell you the punchline. It's all you need for now. Rebbe Freim Hager, all of a shalom, from London, from, from Kingsley. <clears throat> yeah, I think he was 23 years old. Not at all a Lubavitcher. And some Lubavitchers schlepped him to New York. They brought him. This was back in the 1960s, so you were able to schedule the one-on-one audience in the Rebbe's room. And I think his, his yechidus, his one-on-one uh, audience, was at three in the morning. So he has his three in the morning yechidus with the Rebbe. Again, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I'll tell you the punchline. He comes out after meeting the Rebbe, young guy. All he knew about the Rebbe is what he had been told secondhand by the chassidim there in London, where he was from. He comes out from the one-on-one audience and he says, I was completely unprepared for this experience. I went in thinking I was going to meet a great man. And I left realizing that I had met my true self. Yechidus with a Rebbe. Similar to Yom Kippur. There's an opportunity to meet your true self. You think this is what you're capable of? <laughs> the Lubavitcher Rebbe has a higher opinion of you. He thinks this is what you're capable of. And that's why, by the way, every encounter with the Rebbe, the Rebbe was always demanding more. Because the Rebbe knew you could do more. Because the Rebbe could see you, the real you. And all your infinite godly potential. We live lives where we're not even sure who we are. Who am I? Does anybody know me? Really know me? And then comes an opportunity to finally be known, to be seen. One of my teachers in yeshiva, he came of age in the good old days, the real good old days. Not just when the Rebbe stood and gave dollars on Sunday, but the real good old days when every little bar mitzvah boy got to go into the Rebbe's room for yechidus. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a 13-year-old doesn't even know <laughs> what he's experiencing? And every little bar mitzvah boy. So this teacher of mine was getting ready for his bar mitzvah yechidus, 13 years old, going into the Rebbe. So he asked his teacher, his teacher who happened to have been the eminent Hasidic scholar who just passed away this year, Rabbi Yoel Khan, all of a shalom. So he asked Rabbi Yoel, when I go into Yechidus, how should I conduct myself? So... You got to know the old-time Russian style. It's a little, little harsh, a little rough and tumble. So Rabbi Yael says to the little 13-year-old, no, forget it, I'll go instead of you. So the 13-year-old's taken aback. He said, no, 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 
I'm just asking, when I go into the Rebbe, how do I conduct myself? So Rebbe says again, yeah, I told you, yeah, you, stay, you stay here, I'll, I'll go in, I'll have Yechidus. So at this point, the kid just says, look, I don't know what I'm saying wrong, but tell me what I'm saying wrong. So Rebbe says like this, Gan Selim Hazaz by the way, that one sentence has three languages in it. <laughs> Yiddish, Hebrew, Aramaic. But in English, it means this whole world, the physical plane, is a false world. And what did Rabiel mean that this is a false world? Usually, usually when we say that the physical plane is a false world, what we mean is things aren't what they seem. You look at things and you see creation instead of creator. And that's, that's the falsehood of the physical world. But what Rabiel meant in this particular case with the 13-year-old boy was something even deeper than that, which is apparent from context. Rabiel said, this world's a world, of, a world of falsehood. What he meant is, not just things are not as they seem, but people, and I don't mean other people, I mean we ourselves don't know who we really are. We find a, a, an image, we, we, we find a, a, a way of making an impression, of being seen, of being validated, and that just becomes the role. We play that role so well, we can't even distinguish between the role and who we really are. Rabiel didn't say all that, he just said, this is a world of falsehood. And he said, and in this entire world of falsehood, there is one Dalet Ames Shel Emes. That means in Hebrew, there's one four cubits, one tiny little space of truth where you are finally you, the real you. Of course, he meant the Rebbe's room. And he said, and in the one place where you are finally at last the real you, you're asking me to tell you how to behave. That's why I say, I'll go in instead of you. There are formalities for writing to the Rebbe. I'm not big on those formalities. I like to stay out of the way. If you want me to tell you how to write, I'll write instead of you. Go in and meet your true self. Find out what you're capable of because it's far greater, however high of an opinion you may hold of yourself currently, whatever you think you're capable of now, boy, oh boy, I, I, I tell you, the Lubavitch Rebbe's opinion of you is infinitely greater than that because the Rebbe sees your core, your godliness, which is unlimited. And to be seen like that for even a moment is life-changing. What you see, I don't know what you'll see. It's not relevant. I know how you will be seen. And to be seen for even one moment like that will change the rest of your life. You will leave Yechidus knowing that you are greater than you believed. And you are, you are capable of accomplishing far greater things than you dreamed.
<laughs> One of the things we do when we go into Yechidis, in addition to asking for blessings and for the Rebbe to pray, to intercede on high, is that we write about things that we're going to try to accomplish. This is very important. Think big. Think big. Write to the Rebbe about what you think you can accomplish if you can glimpse yourself for a moment through the Rebbe's eyes. If you could think of yourself the way the Rebbe thinks of every single Jew, what would you then dare to dream at that moment? Write it down. Of course, it's, it's a good thing to write good news. It's only polite, it's only courteous to give a nachas report. So if there are things you've already accomplished, Include that too. There are things you're grateful for, blessings in your life. Report that. That's a nice thing. It's your letter. It's your homecoming. It's your meeting with your true self. And whatever a meeting with the Rebbe could accomplish, whether you would walk in front of the Rebbe's room on a Sunday for a dollar, or if you were in the era when you could actually go into the Rebbe's room for a yechidus, for a private audience. Whatever that does is 100% available to all of us now. If like Jeff, we won't take no for an answer, and we desire this sincerely with all of our hearts. And like the Rebbe advised a chassid who wanted to connect to the Rebbe's Rebbe, the Rebbe's father-in-law, after the Rebbe's father-in-law's passing, the Rebbe said, write your letter, bring it to the Oihel, leave it there, und der Rebbe wird gefinden a weg via zoi zu enfren. And the Rebbe will find a way to answer. Sometimes the Rebbe sends us shluchim, emissaries. Sometimes the most unexpected emissaries. But go in earnest. Go with the stubbornness of the stiff-necked nation, which are the Jewish people, and say, I will not miss out. I want the full deluxe package. I came to Crown Heights for Shabbos to meet the Rebbe and for the Rebbe to meet me. That's what's going to happen. And I promise you that when you stand at the oil, whether you experience it or not, the Rebbe experiences it. And to know you are the experience will change your life. I'll tell you one last thing and then... There's so much more to be said about this, so much more. Let's tell you one little thing. Maybe it'll just help you to understand. I know that everyone's here because a shliach brought you here. I don't think anyone just shows up on their own. Maybe even a shliach not only brought you here, but harassed you to the point of getting you here, possibly. Right? Okay, so 
lovingly encouraged, <laughs> reminded, coaxed, bribed, begged, pleaded. Okay, however the shliach got you here, here's what I want you to understand. Um, my brother David, I don't know if people, some people know my brother because he's, he's famous for a puppet show called Itchikadoozy, a kid's puppet show. I don't know if you guys know Itchikadoozy. Yeah, you know? So David is uh, it's a creative guy and he's a funny guy. And he's really great at metaphors, coming up with metaphors for deep concepts. So he had a, a toothache. And he went, we have a, well, we had an Uncle Gary, all of a sudden he passed away, but uh, he went to our Uncle Gary, who's a dentist. And my brother showed Uncle Gary the tooth. And Uncle Gary says, listen, you've got a problem. The, the issue with your tooth is down to the root. So you actually need an oral surgeon. I'm a dentist, not an oral surgeon. What you need, you need someone who can deal with the root of your tooth. I can't do that. He says, but what, what I can do for you, because I see you're in pain, I can cap the tooth. But I don't want to cap your tooth, even though it'll give you comfort, because I'm afraid. Uncle Gary explains. You only came here. See, your tooth's been rotting for a while. You only came here because you were in pain. I'm going to cap your tooth, and you're not going to feel any more pain. And then the urgency is lost, and then you're not going to go deal with it. So then... I'm actually not helping you, I'm hurting you. So I will only cap your tooth right now if you promise me that the moment you walk out of here, you schedule an appointment with an oral surgeon who can deal with the root of your tooth. So that's, that's what my brother agreed to do, and that's, it was all taken care of. So after this whole experience, my brother says to me, you know, I realize now what a shliach is. An emissary of the Lubavitcher Rebbe says, Shliach meets a Jew. And he sees that what this Jew really needs goes down to the very root. We call it in Hebrew, in the Kabbalistic parlance, Shoirish Nishmose, the very soul root, the core, the essence. This isn't a cosmetic issue. This is, this is deeper than that, deeper than deep. So the shliach realizes he's not an oral surgeon. He can't deal with the root. He's just a dentist. He knows that the Rebbe can deal with the root because the Rebbe is able to have that yechidus, is able to unite with the essence, the real you, and to bring it out of you. So what does the shliach do? Like Uncle Gary, he makes a condition with himself. I'm going to make this person comfortable right now. I'm going to show them love. I'm going to give them some chicken soup. Sing a song, say l'chaim. I'm going to make it very comfortable. But I know the whole reason that I'm helping them feel comfortable is on condition that I can get them to the surgeon who deals with the root. Everything that your shliach, your shlucha have done to make you feel at home, to make you feel comfortable, it was in order to get you to this point 
where the real deep change can happen. Where you can finally meet yourself. I want you to understand what I'm saying here. To come to this point where you can finally meet yourself and finally accept your own greatness or even a fraction of your own greatness. How do you get a Jew to believe that he or she can be the one to bring Mashiach? For that you have to show the Jew who he or she truly is. You have to show them who they truly are. You have to let them meet themselves. You want to go to the oil to pay respects to a great leader? You can do it that way. You want to go to the oil for yechidus, for one-on-one -on -one soul bonding, to rediscover what you are capable of. Not the Rebbe's greatness, your greatness. The Rebbe's entire life was dedicated to bringing out the greatness of every single man, woman, and child, every human being. This is not about paying your respect to a great leader. I mean, it is if you want it to be. This is about discovering your true self. Dream big, think big, no limits, no fear. You are perfect, you are pristine, you are, your soul is godly and infinite. And you came to this world to perfect the world, to heal the world. And the Rebbe knows you can do it. You'll write whatever you want to write. I'm staying out of your way. The main thing is, go in there, meet yourself, come out, change the world. Okay, thank you.